Hey everybody, welcome to Offbeat Wall Street. I'm Frank Miller. Now last week was marked by breakups and even some family quarrels. We had the UK taking steps to enact Brexit, signing the divorce papers as it were. And we had all the drama on Capitol Hill, and even despite controlling both houses of Congress and the White House, the Republicans still weren't able to get their Obamacare replacement smoothly through the House. Some tension in the family got in the way as it were. We'll look at the latest on both Brexit and the health care bill, and we'll also look ahead to this week. We're going to get some economic data to digest. One report is decidedly backward-looking, a last glance at the end of the Obama era, and we'll also get a couple more relevant reports, too. The most important of these will highlight the consumer, and we'll see if shoppers are opening their wallets and what they think of the economy. And we'll detail what to look for in those reports. And as always, we carouse our way through some of the uh, out-of-the-way singles bars on Wall Street. Yeah, this week we've got a lawsuit special. We've got lawsuits about alleged fake chicken. Yeah, lawsuits about golf balls, lawsuits about drinkable sunscreen. We've got a suit about a cheerleader uniform that reached the U.S. Supreme Court. And we've even got a lawsuit that turned on the placement of a comma. Yep, this is the uh, And I Jumped Out of a Car episode of Offbeat Wall Street. Oh my God, well, what happened? Mrs. Weaver said she wanted a divorce, and I jumped out of the car. Cal? Well, honey, Cal? Kids good? Everybody good? Dad? Oh. Oh, hey, buddy, I didn't see you standing there. You're getting a divorce? Well, yes. Uh, so, uh, Jess, did, did Molly get through dinner okay? Yes. And you jumped out of a um, moving car? I did, I jumped out of a moving Cal. car. Okay, well, you may have heard last week the UK took a step toward completing the Brexit process. British Prime Minister Theresa May said she'll invoke Article 50 of the Lisbon Treaty this week. The Lisbon Treaty helped to define the modern European Union. Article 50 outlines the process by which countries can leave the EU. Triggering this begins the process of negotiation for the UK's departure. Under the treaty, there's a two-year time limit for negotiations. May said she would trigger Article 50 on Wednesday the 29th. Previously, a goal had been set for the UK to start the process before the end of March. This is the formalizing of the so-called Brexit vote that took place last year. In the referendum held on June 23rd of last year, 52% of Britons voted to leave the EU. Meanwhile, European leaders have scheduled a meeting in April to adopt Brexit guidelines. The conference is set for April 29th and will allow the 27 member states of the EU to weigh in on the UK's departure. The European Council president said he would release draft guidelines within 48 hours of the UK triggering Article 50. While they plan an orderly breakup in Europe, there's a more chaotic battle going on here in the U.S. Last week was dominated by news of the new health care bill's bumpy progress in the House of Representatives. Republican leaders were hoping to push through a replacement to the Affordable Care Act passed under President Obama. In order to avoid a filibuster in the Senate, the leadership decided to try to pass the bill through a process called budget reconciliation. That basically meant that they could change the amount of money spent in different parts of the Affordable Care Act, but it was difficult for them to make a substantial change to the structure of the system. Sounds all right, but then Republicans hit a snag, namely other Republicans. More conservative members of the House refused to back the new bill, saying it was too close to the ACA legislation they wanted to appeal. And after a series of battles that included wrangling and political threats from President Trump, the vote had been set for Thursday. But with some conservatives still not willing to budge, the vote was then put off till Friday. The result? A big messy food fight with a big slippery mess left on the floor and absolutely nothing getting accomplished. In other words, a typical legislative session. (laughs) Well, maybe it didn't happen quite that way, but 
the result was just the same. I mean, what's my move? What's your move? Like, what's your big move? I got lots of moves. What's your big move? I'm not telling you my big move. Tell me your move. You're not ready for the big move. Yes, I am. I want your big you move. You can't handle the big move. Trust Tell me. Tell me your big move. I work dirty dancing into the conversation. Dirty dancing? Can I sit down, please? Yeah. Can I put back on my shirt? No. Why Dirty Dancing? What do we do? Do we watch it? You know the big move at the end of Dirty Dancing where Patrick Swayze picks up Jennifer Grey? Yeah. I can do that. Well, while we're thinking about Obamacare or Ryan Care or Trump Care or the American Health Care Act or the Affordable Care Act or whatever they decide to call it these days, this week will give us an opportunity to get one last look at the Obama years. Yeah, the government's getting ready to release the final revision of fourth quarter GDP, and that will be the final update of economic growth figures for the October to December period. Last month, the government confirmed that GDP increased 1.9% in the fourth quarter, and that was unrevised from the original estimate that was released in January. The growth of the last three months of 2016 were notably slower than the previous quarter. Third quarter GDP grew at a rate of 3.5%. Since the GDP numbers cover 2016, it is likely that the revised stats will be seen as old news. If there's a major change, there might be a market reaction, but it's more likely that they'll be seen as an interesting button to the Obama administration. There's some more immediate economic data due out this week. The government releases stats on personal income and spending, and those figures will cover the month of February. The spending and income figures are seen as an important gauge to the health of the consumer. Consumer spending does make up about two-thirds of the U.S. economy, after all. Last month, the Commerce Department said that personal income rose four-tenths of a percent in January, and that was above December's growth of three-tenths of a percent and above the three-tenths of a percent that economists had predicted. However, while income rose more than expected, personal spending showed a disappointing growth rate. The report had said that personal spending ticked up two-tenths of a percent in January, and that represented a notable slowdown from December when the figure advanced a half percent. Economists had predicted January's growth to be three-tenths of one percent. The news on spending was even worse than the headline numbers showed. Real spending, which is adjusted to remove price changes, actually fell for the month. That figure was down three-tenths of a percent in January after rising by three-tenths of a percent in December. Some good news, though. Even despite weak spending data with income rising and spending sluggish, the personal savings rate rose in January, that figure ticking up to 5.5% to 5.4%. Call it a sign of maturity. Though the consumer is going to be in focus in a couple of other notable reports next week, two separate surveys of consumer attitudes are set for release. On Tuesday, the conference board releases its report on consumer confidence. On Friday, the results are due out from the University of Michigan's Consumer Sentiment Survey. These reports will give us an updated look at how consumers are feeling about the economy and their prospects. Corporate news will likely be pushed to the background this week. And there's the ongoing saga in Washington, of course, and there's the economic data to still look out for. A handful of notable companies are set to release their quarterly results this week. One is Darden Restaurants. The owner of the Olive Garden and Longhorn Steakhouse brands is expected to report an increase in its quarterly earnings. They're also going to pass out a free bowl of breadsticks with it. Bottom line's projected to rise nearly 6% compared to the same period last year. So is my waistline. And this would outpace the expected revenue growth. And Darden's top line is projected to edge up less than 2%. Payroll processor Paychex is also on the earnings docket this week. Analysts are looking for the firm's earning per share to rise more than 25%. Revenue growth is projected to be more modest, though. That figure is seen rising by about 7%. And this week, we'll also see reports from yoga pants maker Lululemon and spice company McCormick. You're talking about one of those ridiculous, um, those massage chairs, do you? 
You do? No. Yes, you do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> oh I don't. God. I don't. I do. Who would have that? I would. I have that. How much was it? Five thousand dollars. <laughs> Ask me how many times I've used it. How many times? Twice. It's twenty five hundred dollars massage. Twice. Where is it? It's in the garage. Can I sit in the massage chair? I hate it. All right, each week we like to wander off into the weeds, take a look at some money stories that aren't exactly Wall Street related. Time to duck down the back alley and check out some of our quick hits. Well, this week we're focused on divorce and family squabbles, and so we've got a special lawsuit-themed edition this week. First, the latest chapter in the now epic struggle between Subway and the Canadian news. Well, you've heard of fake news, you've heard of fake chicken. Well, you take two of those, combine them, and you've got yourself... Well, a bit of a mess. The fast food sandwich chain is suing the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation after the TV channel claimed in a program that the company's chicken is 50% soybeans. Subway is seeking $210 million in damages resulting from the expose. Not sure if that's in Canadian or American currency, though. If you remember, though, from our episode a few weeks ago in February, the CBC ran a report saying that the DNA test showed that only half of Subway's chicken was actually poultry. The rest was soy fillers. Well, the same test discovered that other fast food chain chicken products contained about 85 to 90 percent chicken. Subway says it conducted its own lab tests and claimed that its chicken only contained a small amount of soy. Well, on to another legal battle. It looks like Costco has filed suit against golf ball maker Titleist. Costco is asking a federal judge to declare that its Kirkland Signature brand golf balls do not infringe on any valid patent rights owned by Titleist or its parent company. It also wants the judge to rule that the company does not engage in any false advertising regarding the Kirkland Signature golf balls. Lawsuits say preemptive move to fend off Titleist claims of patent infringement and false advertising comes as Costco's low-priced balls have cut into a market where Titleist is one of the marquee names. I'm sure there's a joke to be made here somewhere, but I think I'll just move on. Well, legal battles continue on another front. This time, we shift our attention to Iowa, where the state attorney general has filed a consumer fraud lawsuit against the Colorado-based company that claims to have invented the world's first drinkable sunscreen. Yeah, the suit alleges that the company, called Osmosis, failed to prove that their company actually works. Iowa's evidence, the product's only ingredient is water. Okay, well, for some reason, the state's attorney general finds it a little bit hard to believe that the company can specially treat ordinary water to take on a wide range of health-enhancing properties like fighting UV radiation. Well, I guess now they have their chance to prove it. Hey, here's a case where a missing comma led to a $10 million judgment. Who says punctuation isn't important? Looks like a case in Maine dealing with overtime for dairy truck drivers came down to the placement of a comma. You see, Maine has a law in the books that exempts certain workers from overtime. One part of the law mentions packing for shipment or distribution of certain products, including milk. But there's no comma after the word shipment. This is usually considered an Oxford comma, which many people consider unnecessary. But lawyers for the truck drivers claim the lack of a comma meant the workers were entitled to overtime they did not receive. After all, they had shipped the milk and maybe even distributed it, but they didn't pack it for shipment or distribution. And the judge sided with the truck drivers and allowed the case to continue. And now here's one that made it all the way to the Supreme Court. Confirmation hearings for potential Justice Gorsuch are ongoing in Washington, but his possible future co-workers were busy weighing in on cheerleader uniforms. 
The Supreme Court has ruled that the basic decorative elements of a cheerleading uniform may be protected by copyright law. The court handed a 6-2 verdict in favor of Varsity Brands Incorporated. They're a maker of cheerleader uniforms. That company was in a dispute with a smaller rival, Star Athletica. The Varsity claimed that Star infringed on its proprietary cheerleading uniform designs. And with all those disputes, fights, disagreements, and infringements, we thought we would uh, end it with a stop at the happiest place on Earth. Nope, not Disney World. We mean Norway. (laughs) The UN has released results of a new survey that ranks the world's countries by happiness. This year's winner, Norway, rising from the fourth position that it held last year. Denmark, who was last year's winner, has slipped out of the top spot, but it's still in the top five, along with Iceland, Switzerland, and Finland. The Netherlands, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, and Sweden fill out the top ten. What about the old U.S. of A.? Well, we dropped down to 14th place. That report suggested that social causes and increased corruption are the reasons for the fall in happiness in the U.S., at least as the happiest place on Earth. And as far as the places near the bottom, well, those honors uh, or dishonors belong to the Central African Republic, with Burundi, Tanzania, Syria, Rwanda, and Togo all near the bottom. Or not to go, as it were. You ever see Karate Kid? What does that have to do with anything? You know when he's teaching the wax on and off, but he's really teaching them to fight? You want me to fight someone? What's the first thing I do when I go up to a girl? I buy her a drink. Yes, always. Without fail, you buy her a drink even if she doesn't want one, you insist. And do I talk about myself? Never. Never talk about yourself, always about her. Because bar banter is boring, the so worst. you put the impetus on her. She has to be the interesting one. Impress me. Impress me with how interesting you are. It's a big game. Game. Creepy, creepy little game. Oh, that's judgmental, isn't it? Mm-hmm. At the end of the night, what do I do? Do I ask them to come home with me? No, you tell them to come home with you. They have no choice in the matter. It is your choice, and they are so overjoyed to have had the opportunity to make sweet, sweet love to you. Oh, my God. You did. You miyagi me. Huh. Hey, thanks, everybody. This has been Off Beat Wall Street. If you like the show, go to iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher and subscribe while you're there. Go ahead and rate and review the show. Good ratings help others discover it, so it is helpful, and make sure you let all your friends know. Check out offbeatwallstreet.com. Follow us on Twitter at offbeatwallstreet.st like you see on a street sign. And, of course, thanks to the big BS, Brian Stewart, for script writing and co-production on the podcast. And, of course... A special thanks to RTT News for providing news and stats used on the show. So for up-to-date info on the markets, check them out right now or maybe in a couple minutes at rttnews.com. And as we say goodbye, we've got another in a long line of advice that we like to give job seekers. This week, we just have this to tell you. Don't get discouraged by aggressive interview questions. I'm asking you a question. You in a fraternity? No. Are you Steve Jobs? What? Hold on a second. Are you the billionaire owner of Apple Computers? No. Oh. Have a great week, everybody.